human resources and recruiting is heavily gender diverse. There are a lot of women, uh, folks who identify as women in recruiting and HR. So the goals for the recruiting and HR team are going to be very different than the ones for engineering, which historically have had not a lot of women. So you want to make sure that you split up your goals between departments and even if you can between teams and hold all of these folks accountable to those different goals so that you can be diversifying in a way that makes sense for the organization, for the team, and even down to the individual that are on those teams. That was Aubrey Brown, General Manager and CEO Vice President of Strategy at Junco, a large platform focused on recruiting underrepresented talent. Junco has been used in large organizations such as Adidas, American Express, Crocs, and PayPal. Mr. Brown was recently featured in Fast Company, where he talked about diversity and inclusion. Before working at Junco, he built out diversity, equity, and inclusion programs from the ground up at DocuSign and Airtable. I'm your host, Marie-Lynne Germain, and we're going to talk about what makes a diversity recruitment platform effective. Welcome to our show, Albright. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I'm curious about your company name, Junco. How did that name come about? Great question. Junco is the first woman to climb Mount Everest. And uh, as folks probably in HR and CEOs, et cetera, et cetera, know diversity and maintaining diversity is a journey. And sometimes it feels like a journey up a mountain. So it was very apropos for us to choose Junco as our name, as we want to both reflect how challenging diversity, equity, and inclusion is, and pay homage to the first woman who climbed, you know, such an incredible, incredible mountain in Mount Everest. Fantastic. So your company is a platform focused on recruiting underrepresented talent. How does it do that? How does it work? Also a great question, somewhat of a complicated question. So bear with me. So companies partner with us to both refer underrepresented talent to us and receive underrepresented talent from us. So I'll just give you a practical example. Let's say one of our customers into it partners with us. And part of how they partner with us is they send underrepresented candidates who got to the final round of the interview with them, who also identify as underrepresented, but may not have been the right fit for that role. So they did not receive an offer, or maybe they didn't take an offer. Once that happens, Intuit then refers that candidate to Junko and says, hey, instead of rejecting you and disqualifying you from this process, we want to send you to the Junko platform that has other companies hiring for similar roles who care about diversity. That candidate then joins the Junko pool, and we have a matching technology that looks at their resume and looks at the role that they applied for it into it and matches them with other companies who are hiring for similar roles. You can kind of see us as an exchange of candidates between companies and the opportunity for us and for our customers are that, you know, typically when someone makes it to the final round of an interview, they do have the skills and experience to succeed in the role. But 
maybe they weren't the right fit from a location perspective or a salary perspective, or maybe even a culture and team perspective. So companies get to reward those candidates who they didn't move forward with, with opportunities. And candidates who opt in get matched with other companies who want to hire them. So we've built this platform. And in the middle of it is a matching technology that makes it all run in the background. So that's what we provide our customers. That's what we provide our candidates. And that's how it works at a high level. I see. So what makes a diversity recruitment platform like Junko effective? I think there are three things that you know we've built our product around. And broadly, we have an opinion on about what makes diversity recruitment platforms that are technology-driven effective. And the first is focusing on underrepresented candidates. While diversity has become a pretty big topic, a lot of people and candidate-related products and technologies have tacked on diversity as something that they do. Whereas we and other folks in our industry that are focused specifically 100% on underrepresented candidates means that customers can be assured that the candidates that they receive or that they source are underrepresented and they are getting what they are buying out of the platform. I think the second thing that makes a diversity recruitment platform effective is being built into a recruiter's day-to-day process. So, you know, technology is a tool at the end of the day. And our philosophy at Junko is that we would like to make sure that our platform and our technology is being built into the day-to-day habits of a recruiter rather than having recruiters have to learn a new technology and a new stack in order to find the talent that they need. So to give you a tangible example, one of the things that we make sure of is that candidates that are referred to our customers land directly into the applicant tracking system of the company that we're working with. So for example, Greenhouse is an applicant tracking system. When a candidate applies to a role at one of our customers, that candidate lands directly into Greenhouse. And what that does is it allows recruiters to not have to log into a new system, learn a new system, log into the quote-unquote Junko platform to talk to candidates. They can work directly within their applicant tracking system, which saves them both time and mental capacity. So I think, you know, being able to, building a platform and building a platform that meets the needs and the habits of recruiters makes it that much more effective. And then thirdly, I think, you know, one of the things that we made sure of at the beginning was that we were integration agnostic. So to go back to the applicant tracking system, you know, the ATS is kind of the heart of recruiting teams. And we needed to be able to make sure that we could connect to any applicant tracking system to get the job done. And we've worked very hard to make sure that we are building these integrations, out-of-the-box integrations with Greenhouse, iSIMS, Oracle, whatever HR software is being used so that the customer can get the most out of our product from day one. So I said earlier that Junko has been used in organizations such as American Express, PayPal, and you've given others. Can you share some tangible results from using Junko in these organizations? I'll kind of give the high level first and then 
talk specifically about a customer and let's go with Amex at this point. And high levels, what we found is that we've placed, you know, thousands of candidates at, com- at companies thus far. And um, typically our customers on average hire one out of eight candidates that we refer to them. Now, you know, we measure our progress and our North Star is uh, against other recruiting channels. So for example, job boards, partnerships with conferences, or even internal referrals, which are very popular among recruiting teams, you know, understanding the application to hire rate tells you the effectiveness of those channels. And studies show that if we take referrals, for example, um, which is the most popular way to get candidates, you know, typically companies hire 8% or one out of 12 of the referrals that come in. And what we've you know, found early in our journey is that we're actually beating that number from a channel perspective. To say it again, on average, customers are hiring 12.5%. So just a little bit higher of a percentage of the candidates we refer than their typical internal employee referral program. So I think that's a really important number to illustrate. In terms of on the individual company level, we recently did a case study with Amex. You know, Amex is a pretty huge company. If folks don't know it, it's a leading company in brand and financial services, HQ in New York. 70,000 employees spread you know, across the US and globally. We worked specifically with their US office and they were looking to not only find underrepresented candidates, um, but underrepresented candidates that were very, very high quality folks that would, you know, move through their uh, recruiting process and be successfully hired. And what we saw over a six-month period were a couple things. So, with the team that we were working on, uh, after six months, they saw about a twenty percent increase in the number of underrepresented candidates that were engineers in their recruiting funnel, which is huge. You know, underrepresented candidates are very hard to find, especially in the engineering field. So we're very proud of that number. The second thing that we saw was that these candidates were moving through the pipeline faster and more effectively than other candidates in the pipeline. So going back to that application to hire rate, Junko candidates were getting to the on-site stage and even the offer stage at a 5% higher clip than other candidates in the funnel. And what that tells us is not only are we offering great underrepresented candidates to, to Amex, but we're offering ones that are potentially a great fit based off of their hiring funnel. So those are some specific examples from a specific company, and I can share more if uh, you have any follow-up questions. So most organizations, medium, large size organizations have diversity and inclusion programs, right? And with specific goals, but how can they set attainable goals? Great question. And in my role as head of diversity and inclusion for Airtable and head of diversity recruiting at DocuSign, this was a question that I grappled with and learned a lot from in my roles there. So First and foremost, it's about setting a baseline, understanding what does diversity look like at your company right now? How do you define diversity? Is it women and people of color? Is it veterans? Is it folks who are neurodiverse? Um, really defining that and communicating that to the rest of the organization is the first step. The second step is then doing an audit 
of companies that look like you or companies in the same sector or companies of the same size and understanding how are they doing from a diversity perspective. And of course, it's not a competition by any means, but it is very important to understand how your industry is doing so that you can benchmark in some way, shape or form. And then the third thing to do is to understand where you want to go. When you have, let's say, 35% of your company identifies women and your industry is at 43%, I would not recommend saying we're going to get to 43% in two years because especially if you haven't set these goals, it's impossible to actually know. What I typically encourage companies to do is go with a progress-based approach, meaning set a realistic target of what you can do quarter over quarter for the next four to eight quarters and say, all we want to do is see progress. We want to see that 37% go to 38% next quarter. Or maybe we want to see that 37% go to 37.25% next quarter. But the goal is about progress so that we can start to benchmark our progress over time and set more aspirational goals once we have a couple of cycles that tell us how we can do. The fourth thing I'll say is to make sure that the goals are not monolithic. Every single department has a different diversity challenge. For example, human resources and recruiting is heavily gender diverse. There are a lot of women or folks who identify as women in recruiting and HR. So the goals for the recruiting and HR team are going to be very different than the ones for engineering, which historically have had not a lot of women. So you want to make sure that you split up your goals between departments, and even if you can, between teams, and hold all of these folks accountable to those different goals so that you can be diversifying in a way that makes sense for the organization, for the team, and even down to the individual that are on those teams. That makes a lot of sense, actually, to break it down by department and you know the needs. You're right. The HR profession is women-dominated, if you will. Any last words or things you'd like to share about diversity and uh, equity and, and inclusion, specifically for HR professionals? I think two things that I'd like to say. The first is that diversity, while it's connected to human resources work, is not the same. And I think while in theory we know that, sometimes in practice, we treat diversity kind of as the little cousin of human resources. And I would argue that diversity touches every part of the organization, from marketing to sales to understanding you know, how you can, to, to product, how do you make your product accessible to the, and inclusive to the most amount of customers that you can get. So, you know, I, I think that when working with diversity or thinking about diversity, it's important to go with a lens that, yes, it's connected to human resources, but really it's operational to the rest of the business as well. And once you come with that perspective, it allows you to broaden what diversity means at your company and the commitments that you can make to becoming a more inclusive company. Yes, we are a diversity recruitment platform, but I would also love to see companies focus on product accessibility under the lens and under the umbrella of diversity as well. So that's the first piece. My second piece of advice is uh, this is a journey. 
we can set all of the goals that we want. We can create forecasts, but at the end of the day, diversity is about people and dealing with people and recruiting people and retaining people is very similar to Mount Everest. It is never ending. And um, there are going to be times in which you go through a peak uh, and you have great numbers or you have great programs and everyone's happy, but that does not mean that you will not go through troughs. And I think in those moments in which you do go through peaks and troughs, it is important to have a long-term outlook and plan for the times in which things are going to be different. Right now, I think that applies to the economic uncertainty that we're seeing. And uh, 2022 looks very different than 2021. But that does not mean that, you know, even if you're talking about workforce reductions or layoffs, this is still the time to invest in diversity. Because at the end of the day, while we might be going into a trough, it's important to see long term that there are peaks to be had. What a fantastic analogy, Aubrey. Thank you for your insights on what makes a diversity recruitment platform effective. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And um, until next time. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system, with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.